Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is AJ. I have not read the entire series. Uh, and with me today is my BFF in JPN, who has read all of the TVBB, Peter Bond. What's up? Um, good morning. I'm feeling absolutely obliterated over here. I did a huge hike. My body is destroyed and um, the perfect the perfect condition to make a podcast. Great. Uh, also here with me today is my friend, closest confidant, and uh, there's always an unspoken open invite to come to my house whenever she would like India Jones. Hello, good morning. Thank you for the invite, AJ. I might be busy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and last but not least, this podcast Scooby-Doo historian uh, who did not notice or say anything about my new glasses when we were in person together yesterday, Josh Baker. I actually don't look at people's faces when I'm like in person with them, so I, that's Josh, I that is patently untrue. We were talking at the dinner table last night. Making you were making full eye contact with me, my friend. <laughs> Uh, I, AJ, AJ, gun to my head, I could not describe the previous glasses you wore. <laughs> you, I, I mean, honestly, not in a million years would I have noticed that you've used glasses. Well, I that know is... they're different than these glasses. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I mean, I know um, that now that you've told me, but yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah. Yes, I though I did see AJ in person yesterday, <laughs> and it was a lovely time. It was a good time. I we learned had, a lot. We had cheap Mexican food, and it was mm -hmm. fucking incredible. Really good. What did you get? I had a torta milanese and it was awesome. What's that? A, uh, a torta with a chicken milanese. Oh, he oh, said oh, you oh, said oh. the same thing to me yesterday, and I had no idea what that meant. Even though I, was I looking just didn't at the think it was that weird of a of a dish. It's not what weird. I just don't know what milanese is. Yeah, it's just it's a cutlet that's been trimmed thin and then fried lightly in breadcrumbs. It looked great. So it's just like a chicken cutlet, though. Like, but kind of like you, imagine imagine yes. imagine the ch the chicken in a chicken parm. That yes. is basically chicken milanese, but like sometimes chicken parmies get a little too big, mm. you know. That seems just fucking humongous. It was like as big as as big as my, my face. Josh ate half of it and said, "I kind of want to eat the other half of this, but I'm so full." And then yeah. just AJ AJ had to dejected. make me stop eating because it was so <laughs> fucking good. Yeah, I dejectedly started taking slow bites out of it, and then eventually just yeah. de deconstructed the whole <laughs> sandwich right. and was just putting eating me the on chicken. absolute blast right now. I don't get a lot of good Mexican food in fucking Perry no, Hall, I'm Maryland. <laughs> That's funny as fuck. Josh, yeah. how do you think my Mexican food life is out there? I was about to ask, we, what's, we what's actually, the situation I, I distinctly remember you t asking me once if I had ideas about how you could fucking DIY some Mexican food in Japan, and I tried my best. <laughs> Did, it was not appetizing sounding. Well, I've done it, but I gotta tell you, I'm not... It's left something to be desired. Fair. What other types of food do you have there? Like Indian food? Sure, yeah, there's a lot of other Asian foods, you know, going to... Chinese food or uh, Indian food or Nepalese food. You know. Ooh, Nepalese Anything food sounds great. Anything that's not Asian? Sometimes Italian? There's a, pizza? Sometimes there's an there's, Italian there's KFCs. place. There's KFCs. There's lots of KFCs. Um, also, just want to quick say Gundam to my head. Oh, damn. <laughs> I would say more like Gunpla. That's actually probably more relevant, you know? I, di I didn't get off. I didn't get it off earlier, and I just really wanted to sneak it in there, you know? Really damn. make sure I could get it in there before the Gundam segment's over. To my yeah. I do follow wow. uh, a Gundam store on TikTok, and man, that shit is fucking crazy. 
I've never gunned the dome, but it does seem like a whole fucking world. I mean, Josh, you're getting into 40K I stuff. I was going to say, The Gundam yeah. stuff is a whole... Oh, I'm aware. AJ, you had thicker framed glasses. I used to have thicker rimmed glasses, and they're, yes. And they're more square. These are round. Like, these are round wireframe glasses. Yes, India. Exactly the difference. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy for you, India, for noticing that. That's why me and AJ are so close. Exactly. That's what the standing <laughs> yeah, invite. Like, <laughs> standing invite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think on that high note, we should, just, we should, uh, obviously this is a Malazan <laughs> podcast and, uh, we read, we read, we're reading Toll the Hounds. We read chapter, chapter seven and eight today. Uh, and I think, I think on that high note, we should get into it. I agree. Chapter seven. Harlow is walking outside of the city collecting dung. Krupp dwells on the pros and cons of childhood indifference. Snell is following Harlow. The healing marks of Ardatha, the spider goddess, are beginning to ensnare Mappo. He wants to go talk to Megora, but the priest of Burn says he has another idea. But it won't be cheap. Sweetest Sufferance and other members of the Trigal Trade Guild are recovering from their latest trip in Quip's Bar. Mappo finds the Trade Guild's carriage. He requests Master Quell and his party escort him to Lether. Mappo doesn't think Icarium fought Rulad. He would have felt it. Precious Thimble, Jula Bowl, and Ambi Bowl are Mott Irregulars and shareholders that will accompany the Guild in their mission with Mappo. Gorlis Viticus, Sheridan Lim, and Hanet Orr talk about a plot to put a nominee on the council in Darugistan. They're worried that coal might be a problem. Chalice is once again thinking about her life and how she ended up where she is. She considers a small orb with the light of the moon inside. She thinks of warning her father about her husband's plot, but knows he would dismiss it. Stony Manakis is an instructor at a new dueling school. Gruntle shows up and brings up Harlow's adopted parents, and she tells him to stop. She says she's been giving money to Snell to help out, and that she can't bear to look at Harlow. Gruntle tells Stony that he's going to join the Trigal Trade Guild, and that he'll send money her way so she can buy Harlow's family a new life. Snell knocks Harlow out and thinks of his world without Harlow. He has righted the world. Harlow is found by a shepherd who thinks about nursing Harlow back to health and selling him into slavery. Cutter thinks about his childhood and the path his life has taken. Marilio is feeling old. He tells Cutter he can see that someone has broken his heart. Cutter leaves before Ralik Nam can call for him. Ralik Nam feels like he's only been gone for a couple of days. He thinks about Cutter and says he's a fool for thinking he can change the world. Marilio fills Ralik in on what else happened the night of the Fete, those years ago. Torvald Nam thinks about how his life has quickly gone back to normal. He's going to pay his debt to Garib using the money that he stole from Garib. Scorch and Lef will play the middlemen. Scorch and Lef talk about lists. They're in the Phoenix Inn waiting for Torvald. Krupp tells them that the six debtors they had found had mysteriously disappeared just before they'd been able to collect. 
Krupp offers to reunite Torvald with his cousin, but Torvald refuses. Duiker is sitting in the bar when a bard approaches him. They talk a bit about the bard's interpretations of Anamandaris. The bard introduces himself as Fisher and tells Duiker that the story of the chain of dogs will be better told through a bard and that he will help write the songs through Duiker's eyes. It begins with you and it ends with you. Picker and Blend are recovering from the effects of Coral's milk they drank the night before with Barathol's group. In the basement of Coral's bar, Blue Pearl asks a ghost who is trying to kill them. The ghost tells him to breach a cask. Faint of the Trigal Trade Guild watches the bowls and precious thimble prepare to leave. Gruntle shows up to Quell's dismay to offer his services. Quell is hesitant, but Mappo says they'll need someone like Gruntle to help. They head out through the Warrens. Krupp zooms us out of the city of Blue Flame, telling us of various goings-on. He ends with Harlow being sold to an ironmonger for work in the mines. All right, gang. I just want to quick get another record. I think mm. they are cousins, but perhaps in the way that like Barathol and Ka- Kalam are cousins, in which that they're like, you know, more distant, somewhat speculatively named people, you know? Um, okay. I don't know. What I mean is I don't know if their parents were siblings. Got you it. Know? Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm not 100%. Okay. Thank you. So we start this chapter with uh, Krupp actually pops up a lot throughout this chapter, um, just mm. kind of like chiming in and giving kind of a an overview. It's actually really helpful. I, I, I read I have the audiobook, but I have the book in front of me. And it's actually really helpful to hear the uh, narrator switch to the Krupp voice for a section. I'm like, oh, OK, I know we're in Krupp's POV. But uh, you just talk about Harlow running around. Snell is following him. Uh, he has this whole thing about children's capacity for indifference and their ability to dream and how that is like a good and bad thing. And then he says children can see can can see farther than adults, both literally and figuratively. Pete, what do you think about this flowery language about the, the, the I guess, innocence and, and possibility of youth at the beginning of this section? Yeah. A great question to ask you when you're <laughs> fucking drained of all energy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, the Krupp musings, mm. I feel like, are value neutral, and then my opinion of them totally shifts or or how much I'm tuned into it mm. on like my energy on the day that I'm reading it or how much I get into it, you know? Because I do think they can be a little... Un- inaccessible or annoying or whatever. <laughs> they're a bit indulgent. Can't, yeah, of course, they're in- really indulgent, which is, you know, in character, but it's still indulgent, yeah. you know? I mean, there's only so many paragraphs that can really, you know, give you a chance. <laughs> yeah. Then on some days I read it, I'm like, oh, this is all, you know, I'm like in the, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, hopping along the trail. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Obviously, this is really uh, on theme here with the type of innocence. And I think Harlow talking about innocence in a way is important to his character. So it's pretty connected to that. But yeah. I, it would be a lie if I was like, man, I really, this really <laughs> caught up really in me, you home. know, so. Yeah, <laughs> it's really deep, really, really uh, cut deep. 
so we move on to Mapo. We've got the the markings. We move into the the bar with the Trigal Trade Guild. We're introduced to a whole bunch of Trade Guild members. A lot of people. Boom, boom, boom. A lot of people. Mapo goes and meets them as well. And then we meet some bowls. Josh, do you get the same feeling like uh, with with all of these characters that you do with like the bone hunters and stuff when it's just a bunch of like people hanging out? Did you, do you get like kind of the same uh, vibes from that or no? I get a very similar vibe, but also think rethinking about this section. Um, mm. I do believe most of these people are going to die. Rip. Um, so I Damn. like I like enjoy it while it's here, but I don't sure. think it's going to last. Why do you say uh, that? Mostly because I was sitting here as you were mentioned, like the bowl. We have some bowl brothers. I was like, why would we have bowl brothers? And I was like, yeah. Well, probably because we know enough about them that he just mm. needed like a quick he needed to not have to w- introduce a whole section of lore. So, yeah, there's some <laughs> fucking Bowl Brothers, here. but also that like, feels really hard, like they're just going to die or something. Yeah, they're going to do some huge magical explosion or something and they're going to be like, I'm having a great time. And then exactly. just die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or be like the one from book three who's just like a fucking kleptomaniac, you know? Oh, yeah. Wow. I forgot about that. I can't wait to hop back to <laughs> book two later in this section, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we hop over to Gorlis Viticus, the husband oh. of Chalice Viticus. Josh, what was that ugh for? I just think he's insufferable, as are the mm. other two duelists. Mm. Yeah, they all think they're the smartest guy in they're the room. They're great, though. They're really good. We live in <laughs> yeah. a world where someone could snap their finger and you could have all the blood drained from your body. Who gives a shit if you can leave <laughs> a rapier well? <laughs> wow. You know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you have no respect for decorum, Josh. Not in the slightest. I'm you glad know. you've noticed. <laughs> uh, Chal- yeah, so they have this whole plot uh, to get somebody on the council to what? What's their goal here? To take over the council. Just, just, so, just control. It's a the numbers council. game. Yeah. They have three. If they, get, if, they get a, if they get a fourth one, they're like sure. closer. I don't know if the council was like. It's very ill-defined. Like, are they replacing somebody's seat or are they arguing to add a seat? I thought they were replacing the old people. They want to. Right, right. But I don't think we're I don't think they're like kicking someone out. You know what I mean? Unless they are. But it didn't they didn't seem to be talking about who they'd kick out. So I kept wondering, like, is there an open seat currently or are they just trying to add seats to the council and kind of just like get enough on their side? Which that seems like weird that you can just add seats to the council. Yeah, it seems like a big a big lift. Yeah, it's a pretty big loophole. Yeah. Well, they talk about an, an upcoming vote. So I imagine maybe it's a mm. an older. OK, member. like they're not going to start a vote. Like they're just easy. I see what you're saying. So yeah. then maybe they are replacing somebody. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing that? Kind of stuffing the ballot box in your favor. I mean, it's it's you're you're paying people to vote for a, a person that they wouldn't vote for, I guess. It's kind yeah, of yeah. morally dubious. Wow. This is how the Democrats stole the election. <laughs> Am I right? everybody? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. That's what I was thinking. Anybody? All right. (laughs) Uh, uh, Not to dwell too long on this on this part, but India, what do you think about that? That cool orb with a moon in it? I think that's that's just sick. Yeah, that was the wedding gift, right? Yeah, it's the wedding gift that she's using to purpose. She only keeps it to annoy her husband. I love that. I yeah, you know, a lot of I like it, too. I like this chapter was actually pretty good. I Mm. like to see the different relationships in it. Mm. I don't know why Steve decided to listen to me after all of these books and throw in, (laughs) even though it was already written, all of these different relationships. But I feel like this one's this one sucks. This sucks. Um, She literally just has spent her whole life a princess in a tower. And it's just. (laughs) really fucking shitty yeah 
Do you but like yeah. do feels you, bad? Yeah. Feels bad. Do you like getting this this deeper view of her? Because in book one, she was kind of just there for Crocus to do stuff. Or do you, are you like are you kind of rocking with this? You know, well, she's yeah. a whole POV you know, now. Ro- yeah. I do. I do rock with this. Um <laughs> it's interesting to get like in the head of mm, in her head because mm. she is just like a in the first book, Crocus was just she was just like an object of his obsession. Yeah, she is just a princess in a in a tower, mm-hmm. right? And she's still kind of it's interesting because like she still is and she's aware of that. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think it's interesting. I like it. Do, do you do we think there's some huge payoff coming with Chalice? Like, is she going to do something wild? Well, I'm waiting for her to run into fucking uh, Cro- Cutter. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Imagine they finally get their their <laughs> happy ending. I oh shit myself. My God, the dream. What's that? He's then a, Absalar walks man. back in. <gasps> Absalar he walks kills back her in, husband. sweeps Cutter off his feet. <laughs> he takes her out of her tower. Oh my God. In fairness, he is the only one that took her out of her tower, mm-hmm. regardless of why and how he did it. That's true. He did kidnap her. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not expecting much. I'm not expecting much, to be honest, um, mm. from her no. character. I'm hoping that she's not like a. Anifidus from the last book who I was like really really into AJ what name did you just say yeah who the fuck are you talking about AJ the, she was the consort to Rulad oh she uh, was there for a hot minute last book is I it liked her, yeah. I don't know she was great I, I was really into that storyline and then she was just like Malazan murdered. book seven consort. it feels bad I, I... Nisal. Nisal Nisal I miss her yeah, it was great. I love that storyline. So I'm just, I'm just, I hope Chalice doesn't turn into that. I don't think it will because we already know Chalice as a character. Um, but anyway. Also, those are like know? really, those were like very different circumstances. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously. But anyway. <laughs> There's, I don't really see any, anything that could. Well, I mean, anyone. they're both, they're, they're both kind of the, the, you know, uh, seated under a powerful man in a kingdom, you know, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so go see Stony Manakis for the first time since book three. Yeah. Gruntles there, brings up did, Harlow. D- didn't we just see her last chapter? We did not see no, her. No, when they talk about her. I thought in the Harlow intro we saw her. Am I just no, fucked up? No, no. They talk she would about ne- her. Okay. She explicitly yeah. doesn't go there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that's that's this whole thing. We learn that that she can't look at Harlow because it just makes her think of a rapist. Um, but that she's been sending money to the family, the adopted family, mm. but she's been going through Snell and Snell has just been pocketing that shit. How dumb do you have to be? Hand that raised. kid's a little shit. I need to understand yeah. what adult says, I'm going to give money to a child. <laughs> for, exactly. exactly. You couldn't coordinate with the fucking parents. Uh, well, I, th- well, that's true. But I also think yeah. it's like a, that Shoot wasn't them a text. <laughs> I don't, I think the, the money wasn't part of their agreement and she doesn't really want to see anybody. So Snell is just like outside of the house and she's like, just take this and give this to your parents, please. And then just leaves. Uh, I think that's kind of more the situation that she does not want to have to interact. I agree. I think the remove is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's mail. mail. Yeah, she could just snail mail it. Yeah. What do you think? I really, I, I thought you meant mail M-A-E-L. I did too <laughs> for a moment. Funny. And I was and like, I, was like I don't really got, see him working his way into this situation, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It seems uh, sending, sending uh, like metal coins through the mail seems like it's a hassle and dangerous. Uh, you might as well just deliver it yourself. Uh, so yeah, they have this whole conversation. Stony has given up on having a meaningful life. She's kind of just coasting and, and making money off these kids whose parents want them to be duelists. Uh, and then Gruntle says he wants to join the Trigal Trade Guild. 
What is a duelist? Somebody who... Someone who d- 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 duels. They, they, Did you do that too? No, I was just going to say someone who duels, but... Uh, so it, it, they're just like... Like with, like with a... Uh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> they'll be they'll be like paid to fight in like a gladiator pit or something. Mm. I, don't th- I don't know if they're getting paid. I think it's just like they do it for... Like, yeah, this I feel like this is more of like a noble type fencing, yeah. like oh look uh, at us for fancy, yeah. fancy. Oh, okay, okay. But so I also like, God, in God. these in these books we have heard about people like I'm pretty sure it's these books, India, where like basically you take offense at something someone has done and then you challenge them to a duel. And that can happen to you too. So a lot of these kids are being trained so that like if they get challenged, they don't fucking beef it hard. Mm. I feel like one of the books had someone that just did this all the time, but I might be mixing it up with a different fucking fantasy series. Mm, no one jumps to mind. I actually think it might be from book one, but I'm not positive. Maybe. Don't worry about it. Maybe. I feel like Marilla, I feel like Marilla duels somebody who is like, I, I could be super wrong, so just keep going. No, no, yes, there is. A there duel. is. It is in yeah. the... Anna Rake is there. Yeah, Getterin's Fet thing. It's so. the party. Yeah. It was at the party. Damn. <sighs> Good Damn. call. Nice, nice one, guys. I do not remember that. It's almost as if that was seven books ago. Uh, yeah, almost. <laughs> so, uh, Pete, what did you what did you make of the scene between Gruntle and Stony? Did you did you like it? What did you think? Awesome of this? scene. One yeah. of my favorite scenes in the yeah. chapter. And nice. like, this is totally fucking my shit. Just two people who I am really invested in their character, having learning about what's been going on. Um, I love that we kind of learn about Stony's interiority and how this has kind of traumatized her and what's going on in her life. Mm-hmm. And to kind of just have this moment of conflict in a way between two characters who obviously have this history that we have a history with mm. and that like, I feel really invested in their well being. So, um, this is a, this is a great scene. I think I love this scene. So I, I just, I love both these characters a tremendous amount, you know? Yeah. I, I'd like Gruntle in Memories of Ice fine. I'd like Gruntle in this book way more. I'm way more interested in Gruntle as like, it's got a very like working class. Right. He's vibe, just kind of a, dude. you know? Yeah. And he's like doing a job, you know, it's right. like, here he is, yeah. you know? Uh, and he says he's going to make all this money with the, with the guild so that, uh, Stoney can send it to Harlow. And then <laughs> he's a good guy. He's just supporting. He's supporting a kid. He's supporting a kid. Mm-hmm. But then we go see Harlow. Oops. He gets knocked out. Oops. That sucks. I hate it a lot. And then a shepherd finds Harlow. I, I actually I sorry. I really did like the Snell like POV of like, you know, that, that section ends with he had righted the world. And I do kind of like the the journey that that Snell goes on of like, ah, this is how this will go down. And, and then I will be the one that is, you know, because we never really had a reason or I, I I don't think that like why Snell hated Harlow. It was kind of just like, because we only saw it through Harlow's POV. So it's like, this guy hates me. I don't get it. But then to get from Snell's POV, it's like, this is why I hate this kids because he's taken my family. Um, which I don't know. I think is just kind of a, a kid, a kid thing to think, you know? Um, but if you give a kid sure. some stones and a little bit of malice, then that shit can turn South real fast. Can I just take us on a quick detour? Sure. I was looking through uh, picture books the other day. Okay. <laughs> and you know the classic picture book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You know. He'll, he'll want a glass of milk. And then, you know, he'll want to come inside and yada yada. So is the moral of this story you shouldn't help people? <laughs> and because they're like all fucking mooches and are just going to want more and more if you ever give anyone anything. Hmm. I couldn't help but feel like, and then, you know, I read like, you know, if you give a 
monkey a banana i don't know there's a billion of these things that yeah. that wasn't one of them maybe the give may, a, maybe the moral is you just, give a cat a pancake it's something like that yeah. i don't know maybe the moral mm. is you just don't feed mice because then they'll they'll bring more mice over because mice are fucking gross because mice are gross <laughs> but the but but i don't think i that's I mean, a really generous reading uh, pete i gotta tell you i mean it's i probably last time i read that was probably and the I last read. time you had read it before this most recent reading so it's been well, a while yes, 100 <laughs> percent. this is my first time ever reading it as an adult yeah uh <laughs> maybe that's what we do once we're done the 10 books we get really deep into child lit get, yeah. the, 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 we take a hard pivot into child lit a hard pivot i gotta tell you it would probably make a much easier production wise on the show. <laughs> I'm going to read this book 20 minutes before we start. <laughs> Roll up, read one picture book. Yeah. You know, God, it sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, so then a shepherd finds Harlow, uh, thinks about taking him back. He's like, ah, you know, I could nurse this kid back to health. I was like, oh, thank goodness. We're going to still have a Harlow POV. And then he's like, and then I will sell him into slavery. And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck me. Yeah. This sucks. Bummer. Big, big, sad bad vibes. Yeah. Bad vibes. And then we get some more ruminating on past life and childhood and stuff from Cutter. India, what do you think about this? Uh, Cutter, Cutter's talking to Murillo about uh, like the futility, or he thinks about the futility of giving love, and Murillo's like, "Ah, oh, someone's broken your heart. I can tell." Uh, what'd you what'd you what'd you think I'm of this? I'm sick of it. I'm <laughs> sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it, and I'm sick of it. Your whole storyline can't be. <laughs> I was like this sweet little whatever, and then, and then. Someone broke my heart after they made me a ruthless killer. And now all I can be is a ruthless killer and love isn't real. And uh, da, 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 da. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. I'm done with it. <laughs> Bro, you're coming in hot. Yeah. What do you guys think? Do you not agree? Is this is I feel like this is a cold take. I feel like everybody well, can agree that Crocus well, is fucking annoying. Peter canonically loves Cutter as as like the best character. This canonically series. the best character. I'm so not him Cutter either. It's not that, that's not his name. I'm not I'm not doing that either. Wow. You're right. Wow. He's Cutter now. He can't go back. This Crocus Crocus doesn't exist anymore. He's a changed man. Jesus. I don't, right. I don't know. I look. Right. I I actually am the I'm, I'm pretty hard against that India mostly because. I like, I don't know. Have you never gone back somewhere that like, did you not go back home after college and be like, wow, I'm fucking not in this world anymore. And I never will be again. No, I stayed there for five years. I'm happy for you. When I go home, I'm struck with like an immense sense of longing for the fact that like all of my high school friends who didn't do anything are all still like this super tight friend group. And I will just never be there again. Hmm. So like, I get it. Like Crocus is like, I've been out of these people's lives for like four and a half years and like, yeah, they'll let me back in, but it's, it's not the same. I raise you. If I changed my personality every time someone broke my heart, I wonder how many names I would have by now. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Um, but have you, have you thought about trying it? Yeah. We're just creating a whole new persona. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I actually have. <laughs> 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 could be could be effective. Just starting a new Funny, identity. I've been talking yeah, about that in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, fucking annoying. Hated it. No, I want your point though. Do you agree with me, AJ? Me? Or do you agree with everyone else? Um, I don't know. I think it's a little. I I don't know. I I just like Cutter. I think as a character, I think uh, he's a little insufferable a bit. But I think there's a far more insufferable character later on in this in the next chapter. Uh, but Cutter doesn't really bug me so much. I I I, I get why he's thinking so much about this, but I do think that he this like I don't know he he because he did this in uh book six as well. 
after Absalar disappears, he has this whole rumination on like, my heart's broken. There's no point to love. I'm just going to murder now. It's like it's, it feels like this like faux air of like uh, jadedness, you know, like he feels like this is how he should feel because somebody broke his heart. It doesn't actually feel genuine to me. So that's a bit annoying. But I, I it, you know, it doesn't really bug me a whole lot. I mean, I think it's annoying. But part of the reason I've loved Cutter, I, I, I obviously really identify with the character in a lot of ways. But and I think like he's a character who is obviously annoying in, a, in in many senses, but him not getting over himself is his primary antagonism. You know, yeah. it's like bro, it's like, bro, get over it and have a nice time yeah. with your buddies at the bar, you know, like yeah. just like fucking cool it. You know, why don't you can you can you just like have a nice moment or like it's OK, like these things are just, you know, what? but he is just so distraught yeah he's so in his own world and he was in his own world in gardens of the moon but that world was like i'm a dummy and now he's still in this own world but it's like (laughs) i'm a hardened killer and i'm grr you know like nobody likes me it's like that's just not true buddy like people really like you yeah if you just spoke to them and like totally out of touch with right yeah. I don't know. Which I think, I mean, completely makes sense for his character because, you know, like I just yeah. said, he was he was out of touch in the first book, but in a kind of different way. And now he's still out of touch and he's still that dumb little kid. But he's just uh, he's got a knife. He's got a knife now. You know, <laughs> like yeah. he's got a knife. He's got a knife. So uh, he leaves Marilio because he doesn't want to talk to Ralek Nam. <laughs> and then Ralek Nam's like, get me Cutter. And he's like, no, he left. He's like, oh, OK. Uh, and then we realized that uh, Ralek. Has- Which I, honestly, hold on. Oh. Can I say? I want to pop in. I love that Cutter left. Okay. Like, that is such a, I think that's a cool character moment that, like, he, like, everyone, like, I love that Ralik's like, and then Cutter will come back, and then we'll have this nice talk, mm. and, like, I love that moment for Ralik of, like, fuck me, what, I am out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I have fully misjudged this kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I he also almost murdered me eight hours ago. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I, I do love that. And I think it really speaks to kind of how, you know, Cutter has changed, obviously, but also how kind of the city has changed and that how Ralic doesn't have a grasp on anything that's going on anymore because it's been yeah. years. It's been years. Um, and then, you know, we end that section off with Marilio being like, oh, that's right. Like, you don't know what happened the rest of the night. So let's maybe let's recap, mm-hmm. which, you know. We'll come back to Ralik next time, I guess, and he'll be fully caught up, which which is which is neat. And from one nom to the next, uh, Torvald, <laughs> Torvald's sitting in bed. His thank you, nom nom. His wife, nom nom. His wife's throwing some clay. He thinks about being a citizen again. She has this really funny line about the new style of pottery being clumsy and unsymmetrical or asymmetrical oh, yeah. because everyone wants an ant in the country. Um, I thought That's that was so really funny. good. But yeah, so Torvald's just, he's going to take the money that he stole from Garib uh, to go pay Garib back. Cool. And then they're going to be rich, I guess. Uh, he says he's going to go tell Scorch and Left this, and uh, his wife is not into it. She says, do not get involved with them. And then we switch over mm-hmm. to Scorch and Left and realize that Torvald was the brains of that operation. They have a whole conversation about lists. Uh, Scorch is like, Torvald was the brains, and then Left, you tried to be the brains, but you're just not smart, which I thought was also a really good line. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, yeah, I, that's pretty much it. Did anybody get anything from this scene? I didn't really feel a whole much about. I don't know. I I, I guess it's nice. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's nice that he's back with his family. You know, he's back with his wife, and he feels like he can have a regular life again. I do think it's funny when uh, like Scorch and Left talk about how they found six people that Krupp gave them, but then Krupp just keeps disappearing them <laughs> yeah. to get them out of there. I think that's pretty great. Mysteriously disappearing. And how they're so dumb. They're yeah. like, who could be knowing about this? The only people who know are the, us two and this guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. We'll never figure it out. Yeah. So good. Scor- Scorch and Left are good. They're, they're pretty good. They're they're welcome characters. Yeah. And then from one, honestly, from one good pair to another, we go from Scorch and Left to Picker and Blend. Mm. Just talking about how they drank the the they're recovering from the previous night, can, and then later on in the chapter I, they talk about how the quarrel milk basically made them have an orgy. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, yeah what? Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Does anyone else constantly not remember the specified gender for fucking any of these? Oh Malazans? yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, I I know Mallet is a dude, and I do not ever remember any of the other ones, and I constantly have to go back and search for pronouns because I'm so lost. Mm. Josh. It's not only pronouns. I forget characteristics of these people, soldiers. Oh, there's no. Yeah. Look, I'm on record. I can't imagine almost anybody. And yeah. these these people are all a bearded man in their 40s. Well, until yeah. until they're a woman, and then they're a, a name, and that is all I've got for them. I cannot imagine anything else. Josh, you wow. don't picture them all as busty babes. No, I sincerely <laughs> tried to imagine to I, I really it really fucks with me in these books now that I've noticed it about myself. I sincerely tried to imagine two female like images for Picker and Blend mm. and fully could not and just gave up. You can't imagine a woman. That's just not That's what in I'm the... saying. No, I've been, we realized this first book like I can't imagine faces. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not a face. But and it really messes with me. You've met a person before. You yeah, yeah, but like, why would like. I have a body if I can't have a face? You know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna forget their bodies in a minute. But like, wow. I got, like, I've got no wow. characteristics yeah. in mind. For this uh, I mean, uh, uh, not to get too deep into this, but pe- people, people have varying degrees of being able to picture stuff in their head. There's that whole apple test. Like, can you picture an apple? And then, like, I this. feel like we've talked about this on the podcast like seven times. I think it's come up. I don't think we've gotten this deep into it. But like Josh has said that he can't test. picture people. I'm not trying to put him on blast. I just think it was, I think it's funny that. Yeah. Is it, uh, what is this? Is it about aphantasia? Yes. Yeah, it is. All right. I'm going to do this while you guys talk. Aphantasia. <laughs> Are you doing a fucking fuck us? And India's talking to someone, just Peter and AJ on the <laughs> mic today. It's Pete and AJ. And you know what? Pete, we're moving on to, to what I know is your favorite part of this chapter. It's when we're, t- we're with Duiker and this bard shows up. Who's this bard? Uh Oh, it's Fisher. Oh Kaltaf. my God. I was, hell yeah, we did it. Oh my god, everyone's fucking gone. India, what's up? Fisher's in the book. Yeah, um, I don't really care about Diker or the fisherman. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Josh, I know that you really care about the Fisher. I love Fisher Keltath. I love this scene. Honestly, I I found this scene touching. I liked this scene a lot. I thought it was very nice. I feel so bad for Duiker. Like, he's got these thoughts in his head. He can't get rid of them. He knows that it's his duty to, you know, communicate them to the world for the sake of history. And I love Fisher Keltath being like, you know... You're gonna you're gonna kill yourself if you try to put this in like a factual way because like like he said you know, he sees the faces. I thought it was awesome. Ten out of ten scene. Cannot wait for the end of the book or end of the series when there's just a whole giant seventeen page long poem that's all of book two. Yeah. Can't wait. I feel like it's a very meta thing about like oh like oh you can't you got this thing that's so heavy on you and you got to get it out through art. There's no other way to do it. You know exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Pete. I know you. Why did you, li- oh. why did you like the scene, AJ? Oh, I mean, I, uh, it, it's funny. I didn't know you like it. I got on the mic and was banging and bashing yeah, the scene. Well, see, here, the thing before we turn it back on me, why I liked it, Pete. I know you didn't like the introduction of Fisher and like as this like mythic character who's just kind of like dropped into like you know the series or whatever. But like, what did you think of the scene as a whole, like the sentiment and stuff? Like, what did you think about? No. 
as I said, I think the scene's good. And I like the Duker stuff in this chapter, Tyker. Um, the, ex- the frustration I voiced to AJ earlier was that I feel like sometimes in the, sh- in the series, it's just like there's a lot of hype about a character and we don't really have a reason to care about them or invested in them or like interested in them as a person. It's just like we're told a lot about them. And uh, I was, uh, you know, some part of me is like, okay, cool. This is Fisher, you know, uh, you know, who cares? Mm. You know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I really liked this reveal the first time I read it. And I was like, ooh, I know who Fisher Keltath is. Look at me, big brain Pete, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Some part of me is like, I don't know. Listen, I, 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 I like him in this book and I like what gets what what's done. And I like this scene, but yeah. I am pretty devastated with this whole conversation right now. We've done these epigraphs for seven fucking books, and all I've done for seven books is be excited to see Fisher. <laughs> now you're a fucking idiot, Josh. Yeah, yeah I know. Apparently, yeah. But, but here's, Josh, here's, what, here's my contrast. I, I feel like connected to Crocus or Gruntle or these people as human beings, you know? And like, you know, I feel like I'm connected to Fisher as myth, yeah. you know? He's, but I feel like he's part of the world, you know? Like, I like the Malazan world, so therefore he is such a huge cornerstone of the mythos that, like, I have to be excited to finally see him. Yeah. I'm excited in a, like a, in a, in a way that, like, I'm excited when Boba Fett's on screen, you know? Why the fuck would you care about Boba Fett, dude? Okay, whatever, Jango bro. Jango till I die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jango. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah. you. Nice. Um, Ooh, AJ, like cut you. that. <laughs> wait why I, I cannot i cannot have that on there god damn it nah you really could man aj bleep it bleep it okay <laughs> real quick i have not found these nut jokes funny ever but recently <laughs> me and my uh, my pathfinder group of mostly dads has really stumbled into a whole world of incredibly complex setups for those jokes nice. and cannot fucking get enough of them nice i love the complex setups you love these nuts yeah I saw one yesterday and it was like some guy was like, I, I he, he has homebrewed a bunch of monsters uh, and one of them he has named Mind Goblins just so that one day a player might go, what's a Mind Goblin? And he can go, Mind Goblin, these nuts. And that's comedy gold. It's such a long con. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know, Josh. I, I don't know, buddy. Yeah. I just think they're funny. So I also love this scene. Before we move on, last point, AJ, <laughs> yeah. truck nuts, good or bad? Truck nuts, bad. Wow. Truck nuts, bad. India truck nuts? Lug nuts. Lug nuts. What lug nuts, good. Nuts? Yeah, lug nuts, <laughs> essential for many yeah. machinery. Uh, truck nuts, India, are like these like uh, resin cast. Uh, God, to be born in New York and not have to know what truck nuts are. What a fucking they, blessing. They're just like these, People use truck nuts in New York. These plastic testicles that you can hook onto the back of your truck's hitch. Uh, and people oh. call them and they, they're truck nuts because they're just yeah. they're nuts on your I truck. I remember at the age of seven, I watched my uncle get a pair for Christmas and God. that just really set the stage for my the rest of my life with my family. <laughs> That's funny Mixed nuts. So this do fucking scene. Mixed nuts, amazing. <laughs> Mixed nuts, very good. Mixed nuts, good, yeah. Best. I love I love grabbing a Brazilian nut out of a mixed nut and be like, oh, yes, the nut that I would never eat on its own, but that is great in a mixed nut. <laughs> Mm. Disagree. Uh, Disagree. I just feel like the Brazilian nut. You hate the Brazilian nut. I'm going to Google Brazilian nuts and that could be a mistake. Let's see. (laughs) Brazilian truck nuts. (laughs) Brazilian truck nuts. So this scene with uh, Dewaker and Fisher, I really, really enjoyed for the same reasons that Josh did of just the like 
you know, there are other ways to tell histories. Like we don't have to just do this like straight up and down. Like here's what happened. Like there, there art is a, is a perfectly valid way to interpret things and stuff. So I liked it. I liked it a whole lot. And I, I liked the, it begins with you. It ends with you because I think that's also part of it is, is if Duiker was writing the history uh, as it happened, I think he would kind of leave himself out because it's not a historian's job yeah. to write about their point of view, you know, um, or to write about themselves rather. It's just about, you know, recounting the things they saw. But I think Duiker being able to kind of insert himself into the story, um, which I think is an important thing, you know, for him and for the story and, and for him to kind of uh, deal with it, to kind of be able to see himself, you know, go through these events, um, I think will be will be really good uh, uh, closure for him, honestly. Uh, so I really love it. Kind of processing that trauma in a way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so then, um, I just need a quick clarification on this scene. Blue Pearl is underneath the bar and a ghost shows up and the ghost is like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, why are you here? Do you know who's trying to kill us? And he's like, Nope. And, and that's kind of all I got from that scene. Uh, he says something about breaching a cask, which I imagine means that there's probably Kellick in those, those barrels. But Pete, is there anything that, I mean, I, I don't know. Never mind. Hold on. I'm India, not going to say yeah, anything. India, so. did you get anything else out of this scene? No. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think I, you guys really just hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> you were really tuned into our conversation there, were you? Exactly. You guys really were just hitting all the points that I was thinking of. <laughs> Blue, Pearl, Blue Pearl talks to the ghost underneath the bar and it's just kind of a weird thing. And I didn't really understand fully what was going on. I, I Same here. Okay. All Made right. no sense. Okay. I'm glad we're all kind of in the same confusion bubble. And then finally, Gruntle shows up and is like, I'm joining the guild as a shareholder. Master Quell's like, I don't know about that. Mappa's like, no, we need another big dude. Let's go. And then they leave. Cool. I'm excited for that storyline. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Me, too. Yeah. And then uh, Krupp gives us this whole grand overview of the city. And and we find we end the chapter with uh, Harlow, poor little Harlow being sold into slavery uh, in an iron mine. Do we think it's the same ironmonger from earlier in the book? It's definitely the iron mine that has just been sold to that duelist. There's like no doubt. Mm. Oh, right. Yes, we'll see. Yeah. Well, wait, but do we think Josh is is that iron mine that iron mine's connected to the the iron yeah, monger? Yeah, it who's was sold. To, uh, it was it was sold by the 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 weird iron monger who's trying to kill the molasses. Almost it. assuredly. Okay. Oh man, that's gonna be a sad arc if Harlow comes back into the city and gets murdered. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm gonna hope that doesn't. Happen. As a child soldier, that would suck. Yeah. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts about this chapter before we move on to something else? Cool. Uh, before we move on to the next chapter. We would like to thank our lovely people on Patreon. I'm just going to go through these real quick because we only have a couple because we've only recorded six days ago. Uh, thank you so much to Steven, Lance, and Cole Bladnir for backing us on Patreon. And thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we just released the 10 Very Big Books Raw and Uncut episode this past <laughs> week. Raw and Uncut. Um, and I guess at this point it'll be three weeks ago. So there should also be another, uh, there should be a Star Trek uh, journey, Voyage Home. Is that what it is? Uh, was that the one we watched, Pete? I don't remember. It's the whales one. The whales Number one. four? Yeah, I, I don't it's, know that. It's got the whales. Um, so that one should also be up there by the time that this episode comes out. Uh, and you can get access to those by just uh, becoming a $1 patron on our Patreon. Which, listen, I'll just spoil that. That movie rules. It's if good. you haven't seen that movie, treat yourself. Check out that film. Yeah, uh, we've had a couple conversations with, with Nate 
uh, our friend Nate about the original Star Trek series, and it's good. St- Star Trek, good, actually. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Yes, let's move on to the next chapter, shall we? We shall. Chapter 8. Samar, Dev, and Traveler continue on the path to find Karsa. Samar tells Traveler that Karsa killed Rulad, but that she doesn't think he took the sword for himself. Thinking of the Toblakai, Traveler feels pangs of regret and pain. On a roving caravan, the captain thinks about his city on wheels. They've been on the move for seven years straight, and they only stop now for a lone man who's been slaying their raiding parties. The captain requests Karsa join him for dinner before he dies. He has found his heir. On the carriage heading to Bastion, Desra tells Namander to ask Arantha to look at Clip. Arantha magically throws Kalor off the carriage, leaving him shaken. She asks Namander if he can feel her now. Endis Salon thinks about the madness caused after the abandonment by Mother Dark. He thinks of a great black river in Carcanus, Dorsen Rill. He asks Anamander Rake if he can visit a river outside Coral that's said to be similar to Dorsen Rill. Rake lets him go, but tells Endis that it is just a deep river. Rake tells Spinnock to make a journey. They talk of Idkovian, the Redeemer, and his position as a new god. Rake says the Redeemer isn't a proper god because he lacks the ability to deny his followers. He wonders what would be needed to redress this imbalance. Rake tells Spinnock to give his regards to the Priestess. Spinnock goes to the Temple of Dark and talks with the High Priestess. She asks if he will die in Anamander's stead, and he says yes. He realizes that Rake wanted him to go see the Priestess of the Redeemer, Selind. Selind is tired of being a High Priestess. She feels like she can do nothing for her god. Spinnock arrives and notices that she is sick. She says all of her followers are. He pledges to send healers and will take her back to Black Carl to be cared for. She reveals that she's a child of the Dead Seed. She tells Spinnock that she is sick because the Redeemer is sick. Munkrat tells Gratathan, a former Erdeman of the Panion Empire, that Spinnock has taken Salant from the Barrow. Now they're free to do as they please. Solana hears these threats. Namander thinks about his siblings' upbringing. They were basically raised by Endis until Anderis showed up and took them to Drift Avali to train them as perfect killing machines. Namander thinks this dying god is a child, lashing out. Kalor talks about the scarecrows and the fact that the plants are not even native to this world. Skintik and Kalor argue about whether or not things change. Kalor reveals that he's puzzled out that they are the children of Anamander Rake, having been Rake's ally over the years. Soon enough, the group comes across some ruins where they find a jagged who invites Kalor, Skintik, and Namander in for some tea. The Jaghut says he's killed 43 Talani Mass and a Bonecaster, and that he has talked to the Wolf Gods not too long ago. He says Raced is one of his offspring. The Giant grabs Kalor's wrist and threatens him, 
telling him the tower they're in is a dormant Azath house, but that it could be reactivated simply enough. Kalor reveals the Jag Hut to be Gothos. Namander and Skintik have been poisoned by the tea. Namander falls through a wall through Amtos Falak. Desra thinks about strong and weak people, thinking that Namander is one of the worthy ones. Kalor returns to the carriage and tells them Gothos has Namander and Skintik. Skintik awakes in a world with an angered son that has killed everything. He comes back to the tower, and Gothos calls him a bad choice. Namander is rescued from thousands of spirits by the Elder, a childlike giant who's been building houses for Gothos. Namander tells Elder to build a tower in his pit, surrounded by the blood of dragons. Namander plans to sacrifice himself for Elder's freedom. Gothos admits to drugging the Andy and tells Desra to tell Rake each time he chose wisely, and that he alone holds Gothos's respect. Kalor says Jaghut cannot be trusted. Elder and Namander finish the house. Namander thinks he would reason with the angry eater and Andy spirits. Elder and the tower are teleported away, and Namander is rescued by Desra. Gothos is concerned and says dragons don't play games. Arantha tells Kalor she needs to talk to Gothos. Karsa denies his airship to the captain's throne. The captain dies, telling Karsa, you could have lied. Karsa sets the carriage on fire and tells everyone to leave and to live well, but to know that he will come to destroy them one day. Traveler and Samardev talk of Traveler's past with the Malazan Empire. In the distance, the pair sees the flaming carriage. Traveler tells Samar he is afraid of Karsa Orlong. And she understands. All right, chapter eight, baby, we're here. The grass is always greener. Is that a, is that a, as told by Ginger intro reference? Is that how that song goes? That was a Katy Perry reference. Did you know Katy Perry third most followed account on Twitter? Why? No. (laughs) Isn't that pretty crazy? That's pretty crazy. I mean, I guess she started becoming big like around when Twitter also became big. So there's probably a lot of residual follows from that. Just seems like I would have never guessed, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I would have never guessed. Definitely. Um, also would have never guessed. So this chapter, Josh, would you have, Josh, Josh, though, would you really tuned into the KP life? (laughs) So traveler and Saren are continuing to travel. They're following Karsa. They're looking for Karsa rather. They talk about Rulad and I didn't think about this until right now. She doesn't know what happened in the, the Warren with the crippled God. So that's, that's fun. Uh, and then, uh, Traveler has these thoughts about the Toblakai, about regret and pain. Uh, Josh, what did you, what did you make of all this, this whole conversation about, uh, Carson's journey and how cool and rad he is? Well, he's mm. definitely cool and rad. Um, 
very uh i'm very curious to see i don't know traveler feels like carso but what if um humanity empathy con you know <laughs> yeah uh, okay. the ability to feel remorse <laughs> so um I, i'm pretty remorse. excited what carso does feel remorse I don't think Carso regrets anything, <laughs> nor do I think he would change anything he's ever done. He yeah. simply goes, maybe next time I see this situation again, I would maybe do something different. Right. And I don't think that counts as remorse. I agree. I Whatever. <laughs> um, Listen, so I'm I, not a Carso fan. I somewhat agree with Ng here, so. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you. A podcast divided once again. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see them meet. I think this was a cool conversation. Mm -hmm. Also, really curious, like, how Carsa got here and also how Sam, how long it took Samar Dev to get here right. because, like, that would help us understand the timeline between last book and this book, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure it will never be addressed. Yeah. Uh, and just a quick clarification they're in seven cities still? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Just double checking. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. No, sorry. They're not going to back us. They're with everybody else, dude. They are with They're all else. on the same continent. Okay. Yep. So they had to take a whole boat trip. Assumedly, unless they just Warren traveled, but that seems more fraught with danger these days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of travel, we move on to me. Everybody's new favorite character, the captain. The captain. <laughs> um, India, what do you think about this scene? We meet this captain. He's kind of got a city on wheels. He's a shitty dude who's just been being pulled for seven full years. And then he sees Carson in the distance and is like, oh, I'm dying. What do you, you think? OK, the captain. Let's let's be fair to okay. the captain. OK, because the captain, yes, is a piece of shit. We get that. Mm -hmm. But granted, the captain is also insane. Sure. So <laughs> like shit crazy. Like yeah. actually crazy, like mentally ill. Yeah. So like, how did first of all, how did he even get to power? <laughs> and second of all, he doesn't the even fact know that he right. <laughs> like the fact that he was even able to convince a thousand people, like or to enslave. Yeah, I was gonna guy, say I don't know. It, <laughs> convincing is the right. It boggles one, my mind. Yeah. Really shitty though. Yeah. Don't like him very much, but also. Also, a moving city it's cool. is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Had big, uh, big Mad Max vibes. Big Mad you know, Max. can big... never stat, must always be moving. I never seen Mad Max. Oh, you should watch Mad Max oh, Fury Road. It's a great gosh. movie. Also reminded me a lot of uh, the fucking thing in Dragnipur that we saw in the beginning. The, you ca know? the carriage? <laughs> yep. Yep. Reminded <laughs> me of the of the big wagon that can never stop moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. And I did this. This this wagon stops moving and then the, the captain immediately just starts bleeding. Is that did I read that right? He just like. Yeah. Well, because because remember, Carsa like destroys magic just in his with his presence. Oh, so he walked through and like he unchains things. Well, so I knew he that. just fucking through. Yeah. Through his presence, unchained the spirits that were attached to the captain. And therefore, all of his old wounds just reopened. Wow. Oh, Josh, and so, nice. and the only reason, so he's only held alive by magic, like yes, hundred percent. And and to be fair, I think the the people, like there's people, there's spirits, yeah, inside, like that came inside of him, yeah, to keep him alive. Yeah. For what reason? Do we know? No, because he to was nailed to the body. ground, and there were ants, and uh, yeah, I don't know. They just used they used his body to you know get a, 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 a the ability to influence the mortal world, right? To be alive again. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. This poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I we, wonder if he was like who he was before, you know? 
Yeah. Well, I, yeah. He wonders that too, India. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think we're going to get kind of a, a history of the captain? Or do no. you think it's just going to be left? He was a nope. guy who was nailed to the ground. I for think a, there a while. is entire. Yes. I think there's entirely a chance that we saw him in like book three or some shit, you know, mm. like you like they passed by some poor asshole crucified to the ground or something, you know, could he have just been, could he have been from the chain of dogs? No, we're on a different continent. God fucking damn it. I, yes, you're right. Jesus Here, Christ. I'll just look it up real quick. The captain <laughs> Malazan told the And house. we'll know if it's important if Peter yells, do not look it up. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> no. Okay. We're good. All right. Anyway, uh, so from one captain, my captain, <laughs> there you go, Pete. No, thank you. He only appears in this one single chapter. Great. Perfect. That's all I needed to know. More like Kyle McLaughlin. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. dude. Twin Peaks. Destro Housewives. That was a, that was a how I met your mother reference, baby. Boom. Ugh, I know nothing. Every reference you guys ever Pretty sure make, you mean Bazinga, just... Peter. Bazinga. <laughs> I've seen a sitcom. <laughs> Uh, so from one carriage, I know that one <laughs> from one carriage to the next we go. And, uh, guys, who do you think's the young Sheldon of Malazan? Jesus Christ. Actually, <laughs> I, th- I think Namander might be the young Sheldon of Malazan actually. Oh yeah. Um, for a moment I thought you were going to say Harlow and I was like, I haven't seen the show. I think it's a different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Namander. S- yeah. So speaking of Namander, we head over to meet Namander and et al. Uh, and Calor, don't forget Calor's with them. Oh yeah, um, I forgot about that. The gang's that. all here. Yeah, they they talk about they're they're skeptical about Calor. Desra wants Arantha to look at Clip. Sure, and then <laughs> I'm kind of fuzzy about what happened exactly. I think Calor tried to get onto the carriage, and then Arantha just like yeeted him away. Is that nah? He tried to touch her butt. He tried to touch her butt. Okay, great. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> that's what he do. He sees a butt. He has to grope it. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, and then we head back to uh, we get we head back to Carcanus, uh, or, or no. Are we in Carcanus or are we in Black Coral? <laughs> We're in Carcanus. We're in Black Coral. Black He's Coral. thinking about Carcanus and the river Dorsen Rowl. These fucking Tisdandy thinking about their lives really fucks me up every single time. It gets me it gets me all fucked up about the where and when of the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, and this thinks about this river. There's a rig, big river that was in Carcanus. It's there's also one that's around Coral that's also kind of big and maybe the same river. Who knows? Rake sends him on his way. There's a bunch of tapestries in the hallway that, depicting various moments in Andy history. Where is this? What is this that we're in? Black Coral. So it's the it, it's where the final battle in Memories of Ice was. Okay. The Andy have taken it over. It's like it, it's that city that in the side of a of mountain. Moonspawn died. Yes. Because Moonspawn crashed okay. and they needed somewhere to go. Got it. Yeah. And now they're having a bad time. And now they're having a bad yeah. time. And I think they're still having a bad time. I don't think the uh, the Andy have ever been ones to have a good time. Not before Mother Dark. No, no, no not since Mother, not since the incident. Um, not since Mother Dark. <laughs> uh, and then uh, India, they, or no, I guess Pete, the, the um, Rake and Spinock mm. have this whole conversation about Itkovian and Capustan and the Redeemer and stuff. Um, and Rake has this whole sentiment of uh, if the Redeemer cannot deny, then he is trapped in a state of imbalance just in terms of like he's he's unable to tell his followers. No. What do you what do you think about this whole convo? I mean, I think Anna Manor needs to check himself. <laughs> is my opinion. I mean, like, did he even read Memories of Ice? Doesn't, don't you know that like. Pe- you know, people be saying we don't shouldn't give compassion to everyone, but it's like we should give it 
freely to everyone mm-hmm. but it's like apparently that's not apparently animator didn't do the reading i don't think he's yeah, really full in on what what a covian's about yeah and kind of how to live a good life and be uh giving yeah but, um you know whatever man <laughs> to each their own yeah so then uh rake tells spinock to go to talk to the high priestess spinock misunderstands goes to doink uh in can the- i just say did anyone like how did this motherfucker misunderstand like it was it was come on we all knew where he was supposed to go i guess i don't know why would they be talking about the redeemer and then he should be like oh, go to the high priestess and he goes to the fucking other, the high priestess of well, not it's the, the, redeemer. It's the, the high priestess that he's been talking to this whole time you know the high priestess mm. of dark i think is equally as important to animander rake as the the redeemer right but is the high priestess of dark as important to the fucking redeemer <laughs> the the subject of their conversation i guess so man i thought he went to the right spot but i guess i'm a dummy too no, it's okay. Spinnock's pretty smart. You're okay, buddy. <laughs> so India, uh, Spinnock heads to the Temple of Dark. Uh, I guess the priestesses just want to fuck all the time because Harald Galanes was all goofed. What do what'd you th- what'd you think about that kind of uh, realization? Did you did you did it confuse you? Because it confused me. So I wasn't confused. I was just like, huh, this this kind of does make sense. Because Why? <laughs> they do be fucking, you know? <laughs> yeah. But also, like, what's the point? Right. Okay. So it, it makes Why? sense because they have been. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I don't know. That's what, that's what like, I'm saying. Josh, what do you think about the fucking? Josh, whatever what do you gets him think about it? the fucking? Look, whatever gets him through it, I guess, is that's what they need. Sure. I'm happy for them that after 13,000 years of existence, <laughs> they still get some joy out of it, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, in this scene, she decided that she tells, she tells Spinock that actually she does not get any joy out of it. I think she usually does. This time was a little weird. Mm. You know, his head was in a different space. Mm. Yeah. You can feel that energy, you know? You can tell something's off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just uh, wanted to touch on that pretty quick. But then we we head over to the actual priestess that Spinnock was supposed to talk to. Dying in a hovel. Classic. Yeah, she's she's sick. They're all sick. And then she reveals she's a child of the dead seed, uh, which stinks. Pretty, pretty dramatic scene. Pretty dramatic scene. Yeah, Pete, what'd you what'd you make of this scene? I'm sick because he's sick. You know, it's a pretty intense scene. I got to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm curious. What do you guys think? I I, I kind of just you know I enjoy that it's following up on some of you know this is it, it's in there are these weird elements here where this feels like the most direct like we're really following up on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in this book. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me, what I think makes a difference is not that it's like following up and that like, oh, we're continuing a storyline from Deadhouse Gates to House of Chains, is that I feel like this is more about aftermath or consequences mm. or like, you know, the fallout of the things. So, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, that, that's something I thought about with this scene. Yeah. I mean, with this this whole book, like we're what, 400 almost 500 pages in right now. And I don't feel like we're like building to a conflict in a way that I feel like we have in every other book, you know? Um, Mm. I think saying that this is an aftermath, I think is, is a, is a really like kind of put a, putting a fine point on it. Yeah. That's a good call. We're, we're like seven chapters, eight chapters in, and I don't know what could possibly be the big thing in this book yet, Yeah, which is impressive. That's the standard though. No, we never know guys, to be fair. Well, gardens of the moon, you don't know. Right. But like dead house gates, the conflict is really quick. Like the whole chain of dogs, the third book, you know, it's going to be the fight and pale, some of the other ones, you're right, India. Like, we don't know some of them. But this one, like, 
There are so many threads. Any one of them could lead to a huge conflict, and I would not be shocked. Yeah. I don't know. I f- I'm really confused. I'm really confused. Are you saying there's going to be some sort of large conflict in the book? <laughs> that's what, dude, that's what I'm saying. Every other one has had that, unless I'm mistaken. No, you're, And this yeah. is the first one where I'm like, I don't know what it could be. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm. Technically, the last book didn't have one. I mean, it had the, I, I was, well, it was no, leading I, to one. I think one. India's right. The India's last right. Book it has... was leading to one and then it got, you know, ripped yeah, out from and, under and us. I, but there was a conflict being led to. Right. That's, that's more my point is that there was, there was like some sort of like, at least semi clear, like ending destination, you know, like, yeah, even, even if the payoff wasn't exactly. it wasn't exactly, clear guys. We didn't, oh. Yeah, I guess. Well, we knew, we yeah. knew. I mean, they were they were going they were always going to end up in, in the capital. Right. They were all heading toward Lether, even in like House of Chains, we yeah, knew the yeah, sisters yeah. were going to meet up in Midnight Tides, we knew that it was the eater against the Lether, you know, Bone Hunters. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Bone Hunters is an, is another example of one that didn't, you know, you could not have guessed where that where like yeah. the final conflict was going to be. But you still knew because we were with an know. army. You know, we were with the army yeah, and yeah, obviously yeah. they were going to go fight something like in this. Exactly. In this you, book, yeah, it's just you, a whole lot of it's exactly it's exactly what Pete said. It's a lot of follow up. It's a lot of aftermath, you know, which I, it's pretty interesting. For the, yeah. For the record, into it. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm having a great time with all these uh, all these characters and then this story. But but is there a clear mm-hmm. destination? Not even a little bit. I appreciate well, I appreciate it and I don't appreciate it. How the chapters are like separated by like whatever's going on with Tisty Andy mm. and um like that other person clip mm-hmm. and and group that's like always one chapter where they just like go around that issue. And then the other chapter is always like whatever what the regular people are doing, mm. like Cutter and Scalara and Kruppa. Yeah. Krupp. You know, I like that they, I like that he's been separating it because those are like, so like, for example, chapter seven, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Chapter eight, I did not. Right. Because the, I don't, the Atistiani stuff bothers me. Right. So it's like. <laughs> Fair. But I do like that he separated it that way because at least like I can really get through one chapter and be like, wow, that was good. And then be like, all right, now I know I'm going to be miserable for the next two hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's it 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 makes this. Did you notice that? Do you like? I like it. I I of. didn't notice it until you said something like I'm now aware of it. Um, and I do. I I think it is it is a a really good way to split these chapters up. Um, because we're doing so much. There's so many characters to jump to and so many POVs and everything. I think that's kind of like the best way to do it is be like, here we are with the humans in Darugistan doing the thing. And then here we are with the, you know, 20 million year old sad elves in this over in this section. I think that's a, it is a, a good way to do it. It really separates the stories. Yeah. And it helps that they're like, they're in completely different locations. So it's not like we're also in Darugistan yeah. and dealing with the Andy. They're like somewhere completely different, um, which, I, which right. also, you know, helps create that, that division. Yeah. That's a, a very good observation, India. Uh, so we see Gadith, Grat, Gratathan is a, is a Erdeman uh, from the Panion. Says, now we can do whatever we want because uh, Saland and uh, Spinnock and the Seerdeman are all gone. They're not coming back. So it's like, okay, cool. And then he looks at this. He looks at Black Coral and is like, haha, fuck that dragon. We're going to break that dragon statue down. And then Solana's we get Solana's POV is like, I'm not a fucking dragon or I'm not a fucking statue idiot. Yeah. Josh. Can I ask a question? Yeah. These people lived in this city, right? Are we have the Tisty Andy built 
whole new swaths of city to the point that they just go, yeah, they built a dragon statue overnight. You know what I mean? Like if you're building a dragon statue, even with some magic, you would imagine there is some prep work where you see it happening and like there's a half formed dragon. <laughs> right, you see like, half a dragon. This dragon was just fully done one day. Like do they just go, yep, great builders, those Tisty Andy. Like it just confuses the shit out of me how yeah. they don't know it's a real ass dragon. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe he wasn't around for a couple of years, you know, maybe he left and then and then came back and was like, oh, they built a dragon sick. And and he just goes around and no one tells no one's constantly <laughs> like, yeah, we live in fear under a ruling class that at any moment could just murder us all with a fire breathing death machine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. At, OK. <laughs> all right. No, Josh, yeah, you make a good point. That's funny. Could you imagine living in fear of the ruling class? <laughs> Not me. Unima- could, unimaginable. Couldn't be, couldn't be me. <laughs> So then we move on to the real meat of this chapter, in my opinion, uh, back with Namander and everybody. Uh, they come across some ruins and then inside the ruins. What's that? Oh, it's a jagat. Now, I know I said that thing about Fisher earlier. Totally wrong. This guy fucking rules. Shout out, my boy. Yeah, it, we've met Gothos several times, although only in flashbacks. We I have. Yes. Yeah, so he's not, he's never been in the story. Um, yeah, he, he was in the prologue and the epilogue of the uh, last book gothos mm-hmm. gothos gothos um yeah uh what do you what do you think of this reveal josh uh i mean i thought it was it was tough because mm. like he kind of sucks shit he you does know? suck shit yeah wow. but like if you were stuck in that tower for millennia wouldn't you <laughs> sure you know sure gosh i don't know he's so self-important mm. and everything everything they do and he's just like you've ruined my plans i'll have to reevaluate and then he just sits down right <laughs> sullenly in the corner yeah. i don't know uh, there is a part of me that like loves that energy but like don't love when you know namander just falls into the wall and he's like ah eh. yeah you know <laughs> just leaves and be when you're a multi-millennia old creature and something doesn't go according to plan there's no point in, in being upset about it you know you're just like oh fuck i would i've spent six thousand years away working on this yeah but think of how many times think of how many times he spent thousands of years on a plan that didn't follow through you know what i mean it's just like you know what you are right you've just yeah you've made me reevaluate that at one point though at the at the end of this section with him not to jump ahead but he says he says something he's like ah my follies or something he's like uh which is funny because the all the stuff that we've seen from gothos uh written in the uh epigraphs are from gothos's folly um yeah, so I thought that was a funny little, a funny little thing. Here's a fun ten very big books fact. Mm. One of our uh, rejected show names was Our Folly, uh, and it was like a Gothos Folly joke. Nice. And it was like, oh, it was our folly to read these books. Glad we didn't go with it. That was not wouldn't have been the best choice, you know. But I think it got there. I don't know. I think it could have been a fine choice. I think this is a much more accessible title. I stand by Talon Podcast is a really good title, and we should have done it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Talon podcast. It's extremely good. India, what'd you, what'd you make all this Gothos stuff? Uh, uh, Namander gets poisoned and, and thrown into this other realm where we meet elder who's making Azath houses. What'd you, what'd you think of this? Well, let's take a, a small step back. Okay. Gothos mm. is the jag hut from who? These are just questions I had. So, before. so, so Gothos, uh, his name has popped up a couple of times in some epi- epigraphs. I recall. Yeah. Um, we met him at the beginning of, of the last book, I believe when he took the heart out of, or he, he made the finest, 
Um, yes, that, he made, he had the first that they were trying to get that had yes, yeah yeah and, yes, and, and yes, yes. we met him a bunch of times I feel right not really he's he's been brought up a, a, a good amount of times because he is Icarium's dad uh, or something doesn't he did is he the one that worked for the crippled god no no different jagged oh oh yeah I forgot about that jagged. Hmm. Oh yeah, so no, different jacket. <laughs> so this guy is Akarium's dad, mm-hmm. and it sounds like he's like the and dad of all the the Jaghut, maybe right. because he's also Ra- Raced's dad. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Was he in the Azath the Azath house? Mm. This guy. No, that's Raced. Yeah, Raced is the one in the Azath. Then whose dad was in the Azath? Someone's dad was in there. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Ikarium's dad is in the Jagga, is in the Azeth house. Isn't but you just said this was Ikarium's dad. Ikarium's dad is Gothos. Oh, yeah. Well, he used to be in an Azeth house. He even says that here. This used to be an Azeth house. That's what house. I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I missed. I didn't hear you, India. My bad. Yeah, this is Ikarium's dad, and he was in an Azeth house and is no longer. Because, okay, because the house he was in is now deactivated or whatever? It's the same house? Is that what you're saying? I don't know that. Okay. I haven't read the books. Well, okay, um, fair enough. You just seemed pretty... Why is he in a tower? Because this was... <sighs> Wasn't he in the Azath house in Lether? Wasn't that where he was? And that house crumbled last book fully. The the, Az- the power of the Azath fully was dead by the end of last Why book. Why do you think he was in there? Because I don't know another Azath house we were near for that long. Mm. Well, but we... He was already out at that point because he was he made the finest in the beginning of the book. Well, it's because that happened way long time ago. That was a that was a flashback. The finish was a huge flashback. Okay. Yeah, that was way before he was stuck in a Nazareth house. Okay. Okay. And so then, Gothos, Gothos poisoned yes. Namander. Poisoned. Or just put him to sleep. Well, well, he he drugged Namander and and yeah, Skintic. And then he went. So, and now he's where now? So then, great. Yeah. Soon he then ends Nam- up with the elder, but like, did is the who? Where did he go? He Where fell is the elder? Through, he fell through the wall, the which wall. was a portal to a warren where there were a lot of ghosts and he was mortal and they were trying to take his body and he ran and then he ran into the elder. Is the elder there because he's always been there? Gothos, yeah, he's been there for a long time and it seems like Gothos has just kind of like for a, like a while ago he put him there, but he did, he wasn't always there. Okay, so Gothos like. is putting people into this. This is all yes, his. He he has said he's been. Yeah, they said like he's putting people in there. Yeah, that's how all the souls got there and stuff. That's what. Okay, great. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Yeah. So this is tech. This is his Dragnapur, if you will. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, sure. But they're Except alive that somehow. Hey, what's up with these? With all the like the the Tisty Andy in this group having like weird ass powers like. This girl being able to just reach in and take someone out when Gothos can't, and the other girl just being also super mad. Like, what's up with all this? I mean, they're children of Anamanda Rake, baby. I don't know. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Elder is good. Elder's great. I love Elder. <laughs> yeah, Elder is Pete's good. Been, Pete's been fully reclined, eyes closed for like three straight minutes. Yeah. I just want to say Elder's good. It's really trippy. It's like, whoa, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. And then it's like, he's a big guy. It's really good. I really, really love it. In in the in the audiobook, um, the the narrator oh, I can't wait. gives like it's like this really high pitched voice for when when they meet Elder and stuff. And then when Elder goes to build the house and says, I'm a different person when I make houses, it's like, I'm a different person when I make houses. It's crazy. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so India, that's the whole that's the whole elder Namander situation uh, and, and Gothos and stuff. Is that. And that's great. And mm-hmm. then and then that's all I have. OK, um, I feel good about it. Yeah. So what did you what did you think about this then? What did you think about like and Namander showing up and be and I was confused. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Um. So but I thought it was I don't know. I guess it's like interesting <laughs> kind of. Uh, I mean, we've never I, seen somebody it, build an Azath, you know. Yeah. I didn't realize that's what that was. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Where is it going to go? Like, where is this Azath health going to pop up? Yeah. So, so Gothos has been keeping Elder here, just building Azath houses. And then right before, right before Elder finishes the Azath house and it teleports to wherever it's going to go, Gothos shows up and it's like, let me hitch a ride. Um, and then they put the last stone in and, and the Azath house teleports to wherever it's going to be, I guess. Um, so I guess Gothos knows where every Azath house is. Or something. So that's kind of neat, I guess. But yeah, so so Namander's like, oh, okay, well, build one in your little house, your little area that you that you sleep in, your cave or whatever, your pit. Uh, because uh Elder says whenever they try and build a or whenever he tries to build a house, then then the the spirits knock it over. So he's like, Oh, but they can't come in my pit, so you should build you should build one in the pit. He's like, I never thought of that. I thought houses are supposed to have corners. He said, nah, make it a tower. <laughs> so then he, he builds a tower and Namander says, I'll put in the last block. So you can you can be free. And this is where I was saying that there's another annoying character in this book. And it is Namander because Namander's like, yeah, sure. I just met this this person and I'll I'll let them teleport away and I'll stay with these spirits. I'll reason with them. They'll listen to me. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? What what is happening? Why are you doing this? Why don't you both just take the house and then you can find your way home some other time? Extremely annoying to me. Sorry, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the defending here. Okay. <laughs> I'm asleep. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost done. Don't worry. So so uh, that happens. And meanwhile, on the outside, Kalor tells everybody that Namander and Skintik were drugged. Desra makes it to the house. Arantha says she needs to talk to Gothos. Yeah, so... so Desra somehow reaches through the the wall, like Josh said, and, and rescues Namander. And then they're and Gothos is like, oh, man, OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they leave. And like that's the, that's the end of that section. Um, yeah. Which I know I said that was the meat of the chapter. And it kind of just kind of ends kind of unceremoniously on, on Gothos, Gothos's end. But I do think it's like, you know, he's waited thousands of years for things to not pan out before. So he's just like, man, that stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, we head back over to the captain and the caravan trying to convince Carsa to be his heir. Carsa obviously says no. He, th- he talks about how slavery is bad. Uh, and then the captain dies and says, you could have lied, uh, which I thought was extremely yeah, yeah. funny. Um, Hysterical. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then Carsa does some more things. A lot of talk about childhood and youth in these in these two chapters. Carsa talks or thinks about the youth's capacity to dream. Uh, this is with each blade of gra- or each blade of grass with significance, stuff like that, which, you know, sure. Uh, and then he sets the carriage on fire. Josh, what do you think about him being like, hey, leave here, find somewhere good to live. But I am going to kill you. I think one of one of the greatest cockiest speeches so I've ever heard was him. so into it. Oh, my God. Live your lives. Enjoy them for the next two and a half, three years. I don't know for sure, but then it's killing time. Yeah. Like just, I always love how he how he goes on these. He's getting so much more eloquent in his thoughts 
And I love that he'll give this huge like inner monologue about the failures of society. And then he goes, and of course, there's only one solution. Genocide. <laughs> Every time like that, it just comes back to genocide. And I'm like, I just think maybe there's other solutions, mm-hmm. perhaps. Josh, you're wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Burn it to the ground, baby. Burn it to the ground. Uh, and then we get kind of a glimpse into the future a little bit. Because I guess because Krupp's telling this story, um, Karsa beco- becomes known as uh, the, the, the just becomes known as Broken Face, um, a promise of demise, which is sure. Cool, I guess. God, if he becomes the Broken Faced God, that's a bad ass name. It's a good name. It is a good name. You're right. And then finally, we head over back to Samar and Traveler. They see the pyre in the distance, the, the burning, the burning carriage in, a dis- in the distance. Uh, but before that, Traveler talks about uh, his past as Dasimal Tor. And uh, I just want to read a little quote here. Get, get our guy, mm. get all our temperature here. They're talking about, he says, uh, I once led armies. I was once the will of the Emperor of Malaz. We served death, of course, in all that we did for all our claims otherwise. Imposing peace, ending stupid feuds and tribal rivalries. Opening roads to merchants without fear of banditry. Coin flowed like blood in veins. Such was the gift of those roads and the peace we enforced. And yet, behind it all, he waited. With a cold smile, he waits. Where all the roads converge, where every path ends, he waits. And in my head, that's he's talking about hood. He's talking about death. He says, no matter what you're doing, death waits. Yes, Josh. Uh, that is who he's talking about because we learned last book that Dasim Altor was one of the biggest guys in the cult of Hood in the Malazan mm, uh, that's Empire. Right. That's right. Thank you, Josh. Which uh, inc- which includes the father of Tok is also yes. big into that. Yeah. And whiskey and whiskey Jack. Remember, whiskey Jack's uh, sister was sold into. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, India, what do you what do you think about this this idea that uh, you know no matter what empires and and civilizations strive to do, it all just ends in death. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, which That's is facts. which is why we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this justifies Carse's uh, uh, genocidal tendencies? It's all going to end in death anyway, so he should just burn the cities down himself. Carse doesn't really kill people anymore, though, like only bad people. <laughs> What's a bad person, India? <laughs> who decides who a bad person is? A god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, powerful, India, powerful India, to be India. fair, he did just free a bunch of slaves and stuff and then was like, hey, go live your lives, but I am going to kill you later. Yeah. So he's not really. He was just, it's an empty threat. Karsa, no, he it's not. A big game. He's know. going he, back he to his people to, to ravage the land. <laughs> Take a joke, guys. Was, this PC culture. <laughs> seriously. It's like you can't even say you're going to kill anyone nowadays without being uh, canceled. Right. God, exactly. like, God, he gave them years to hide. <laughs> he's fair. Yeah. Uh, and then it ends. I love Carsa. I'm Team Carsa. We know High you are. key Team Carsa. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest Carsa fan on the show, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, Am I? Josh, you don't love Carsa? I love Carsa. I was gonna say, I, I just, I just think you're number. I mean, I'm, I don't, you know. Yeah. I, I think I'm a it. strong number two. <laughs> That's um, fair. I'm, I'm ranking fourth. So. Yeah. Yeah. Throw yeah. Pete. We all know that. <laughs> so uh, the 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 chapter ends and the section ends with uh, Traveler saying he's afraid of Carsa. And Samar understanding him. Yeah, Samar literally is like, Samar's funny because Samar, 
who has chosen to stay with Carsa through all of this <laughs> is like, yeah, he's pretty fucked up, man. <laughs> like <laughs> that, 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 tr- uh, carriage burning that was carsa mm-hmm, like yeah. all this shit but you know samar doesn't leave so it's true why is that curiosity maybe mm-hmm. see what he's up to um she loves carsa yeah yeah i think so i think you're absolutely right so that's the that's the end of this section i just really quick i mean we'd kind of talked about it a, a little bit uh a, a little bit ago but uh, wh- what do we all think is going to happen in this book like what, what do we what do we what do we think Josh, I I mean, I think the only group heading towards a potential conflict is the Tisty Andy, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I don't care about them. Yeah, I like I, who what each other like. No, they're who? going to Bastion, the, the you know, the home of the crippled God, and they're bringing Kalor with them, you know. Oh, you mean the kind of Namander group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the Namander group. I and I just don't really know, like, like that. That to me, but see, that seems too obvious of a conflict. And also, what hope would they have of even putting up a fight? So, I, I don't know where it goes for them. I, I what I, number I, book is the Crippled God? Ten. I feel like that's probably when. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I. There are so many threads in this book. Yeah. I, I truly have no idea what's going to happen in any of them. Yeah. India. I do think going back to the human side of things, they might, um, what's his name? Chalice's man. Uh, Gorlis. Yeah. That, that might be a whole little thing mm-hmm. in itself, whatever they're doing. I don't know. Like that whole bid for political whatever. Yeah. The political. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. Oh, and then we also there's a reason that Harlow is was sold to slavery. So wonder who. Yeah, like, that's got to that go story somewhere too. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody will find him. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Like, I, if slash when we go back to Harlow's POV, if is if it's like Stony. Right. Like, who's gonna rescue him? I, I could see it maybe being Stony. Like, that's kind of a dramatic, like. I feel like it won't be. Yeah. I feel like it absolutely won't be. I feel like she gives no fucks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fuck Snell. Yeah, Snell is like one of my least favorite characters in the series. Yeah. Ever. I prefer a psychopath adult to a psychopath child. Mm. Something about a yes. psychopath child is just a little bit more creepy to me. Yeah. Agreed. I, Agreed. I, think, I think it's something about like the, the, the adult knows that they're doing something bad. The kid is just kind of like, I don't know. There's like a chance that like maybe it's not on purpose. But then if it is on purpose, that makes it even creepier. You know? Right. Yeah, I get that. Um, Pete, what do you think is going to happen in this book? No, uh, I <laughs> so <laughs> no, um, I do think uh, there's got to be something with these hounds. Huh? We've got the hounds of dark. Oh, the yeah, hounds of light back. have shown up out of nowhere. So and the book is wolf, called wolf. Toll the Hounds Wolf Wolf. Um, so wow, I forgot wolf, that, honestly. <laughs> bark, bark. So yeah, Wolf Wolf, Bark, Bark. I think something's got to happen with those dogs, but I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as we like. <laughs> I don't know. As like calling the book uh, Toll the Hounds is. But whatever. That's the end of the episode, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. Yeah, Pete. Did I tell you? I, I, I had a... I want to tell Steve. I feel like there's a way the books could get a lot better. What, yeah. Oh, I'm ready. Imagine if the Joker was in one of these. <laughs> all right, everybody. Pete went on a big hike today. Everyone say night-night, Pete. <laughs> what? Peter's asleep. He's the clown prince of crime. When I say good, you, know, you say night Good night. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. 
Hello everybody, producer AJ here after forgetting to record the credits for the last episode. Whoops! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D. Discord, that link will also be in the show notes. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can head over to Patreon com slash 10 very big books that link is also in the show notes and as always thank you so very much to dan geyser for making our spectacular cover art you can follow him on twitter at a underscore w underscore dan g for the hottest call triple bounce takes and of course the wonderful music in today's episode including the remixed intro and outro track is by the one the only amaranthan from his album simulant rain which you can find along with his other music on bandcamp.com links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on May 27th, talking about chapters 9 and 10 of Toll the Hounds. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>